theyeshiva.net. We're going to move on today to Parshas Vayetze, page 44. The second column, Tav Chav Beis Amud Dalit, Chav Beis column four, that's page 44. On the second column, you see Ulalavon Shtei Bonois. Lavon had two daughters. Everybody knows the Pasuk and Parshas Vayetze, the whole story is introduced in the innocent verse, Lelovon Shtei Bonos. Lovon has two daughters, Shem Hagdoi Leleia, Shem Haktana, Rachel. The oldest one is Leia, the younger one is Rachel, Vayehav Yaakov Es Rachel, Yaakov loves Rachel, and he asks Lovon if he could serve him for seven years, Rachel Bitcha Haktana, and Lovin's response is, better to give her to you than to give her to anybody else. Touching. Very touching. <laughs> very good. Yes, very good. Is there any history to the manor? Any history to the manor? The Maimri is from the year Tofkof Ayin Aleph. That's what we know, which means 1810. Tofkof Ayin Aleph. That's what, that's what I know. I mean, that's what I know about the Maimri. So he starts off, Hine. Now we have this Yisoy that pervades really many of the Maimarim, and it's really an axiom in, in Torah, in all segments of Torah, and that is that every character in Chumash and Tanakh is not just a physical, historic figure, historical figure who lived at a certain point in a certain place, but each character represents a timeless characteristic that exists within the human psyche. Or to put it differently, all the characters in Chumash are personal characters. They're, they're internal characters. There's the Lovan inside of me. There's the Hevel and Kayan inside of me. There's Adam and Noyach and Vashti and Achashverish and Paray and, and Yosef and the brothers and Yaakov, Esav, Leia, Rachel, and they're all inside of us. So these characters are really prototypes. They're people, of course, but they're also prototypes. They represent something. And their stories are therefore individualized stories as well. And that's why when he starts a Mayim and he'll start talking about Leia and Rachel in terms of spiritual, spiritual uh, uh, dynamics or energies, it seems strange. I mean, Leia was a woman and Rachel was a woman and they were sisters, etc. That's of course true. But each one, like every person, represents a certain personality and a certain character and a certain midah, etc. So he ne Leia ve Rachel. To understand Leia and Rachel, you have to understand that it's Isis HaMachshav and Isis HaDibur represents the letters of thought and the letters of speech. Or to put it in different words, the hidden world and the revealed world. This says in Zayar already, that Leia is Almadeh Leia is the hidden world, and Rachel is Almadeh the revealed world. And what this immediately tells us is that when you read about Leia and Rachel, one has to be sensitive to the fact that they were two extremely different people. Not just two sisters who look differently, but the different looks represent different realities, different types of souls. 
What's the difference between machshava and dibur? The same difference between Amad Eskasi and Amad Eskasi. Amad Eskasi means a hidden world. Amad Eskasi means an open world. When you speak, I can hear you. When you think, I can't hear you. The Gemara says famously in Psachim, ma No man knows what another person is thinking. And it actually allows us to survive. <laughs> Imagine everybody would know what everybody is thinking about them all the time. It would probably be a little complicated. No? Right? You agree? Okay. It would be an interesting world, right? It would, be, it would be a lot complicated? Okay. Fine. So, uh, I mean, I would say many marriages survive because people don't know what the other person is thinking, right? And then hopefully you relax after a few hours. Business relationships, etc. Shul relationships, right? You don't always tell the guy sitting near you what you think. It would so, ultimately be a lot easier. Uh, it would be easier for what? It would be a lot easier ultimately. If everybody knew what everybody yeah. thought. The boundaries would be clear. It would be difficult. Yes, it would be easy. That's that's true. You just may have to live alone, but uh, yeah. I don't mean you, I mean some people. (laughs) What were you really thinking? We would learn to control our thoughts, is what we would do. We would learn to control our thoughts or learn in desperation to repress our thoughts. (laughs) This is between control and repress. So, Machshava is an internal world. Machshava is my world. Who am I? And Dibur is how I project it, how I'm projected to the outside. Now, when he says here, Machshava and Dibur, he right away says, Almadis Kasi, Almadis Galya, to clarify what he means. Machshava and Dibur is very clear. If you see by Machshava, he says, Oisisa Machshava, Oisisa Dibur. Because we don't realize we think in letters, just like we speak with letters. You can't think outside of words and letters. That's usually part of our machshava. We, everyone, think about it, right? Pictures. Uh, pictures, right. But when you're thinking about things in a processed way, you think in a language. You probably think in English. But think. Think about how you think. You'll always feel a language in your thoughts. That's why even a machshava, he says here, oisius a machshava. Now, there are higher levels of machshava, higher levels where you graduate oisius. But generally, as we're... If I'm thinking about something, or I'm thinking about an idea, and I'm trying to develop it, or analyze it, or thinking about a dilemma, whatever it is, I think in a language. So there's also letters in thought, just like there's letters in speech, generally speaking. But nonetheless, you can't compare the concrete quality and texture of letters in Dibur to the quality of letters in Machshava, which are so much more subtle and so much more refined to the point that you sometimes have to prove to people that they're thinking in a language because they don't realize it. In words, it's obvious that you need a language. And if you don't understand my language, there's no way you can understand my message because the words are always conveyed through letters. But then he adds, Alma Deskasya, Alma Deskasya. Alma Deskasya means that generally Leah comes from a hidden world. And Rachel comes from a more revealed world. And this is the meaning of the Pasuk in Tehillim, in Halal actually, where David HaMelech says, Now what's the concept of Ba'artsoy Sachayim? Ba'artsoy Sachayim means, I will walk before Hashem in the lands of life. Two Aratzos. Not Eretz Sachayim, but Artsos. So he says, Bez Aratzos. But David HaMelech is probably speaking about the land of life, the land of holiness, the land of Eretz Yisrael. Why does he say Ba'art Soy Sachayim? The answer is because there are really Beis Aratzes. Shabizman Shabeis Hamikdash Hayakayim or Yushnei Habchinis Meirim Eretz Yisrael. When the Beis Hamikdash existed, both dimensions, Leia and Rachel, thought and speech, 
Almadis Kasi and Almadis Galia, both were revealed in Eretz Yisrael. But Vahaikir Hayabchinas Rachel. But the primary dimension of what was revealed, what was Meir is Rachel, Shinikras Akeris Abayas. Chazal called Rachel Akeris Abayas, which means the foundation of the home, the Iker of the home. She is called Yaakov's Akeris Abayas, like she was the, the main, uh, the primary, from the word Iker, Akeris. She was the primary uh, uh, source or, or foundation, foundation of the home. Because generally, the way it worked was, the thought is enclosed in words, and the word gets revealed. You don't know my thoughts, you know my words. But my words hopefully contain my thoughts, so you have access to my thoughts through my words. So in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, Leah and Rachel both, both of their energies shined in Eretz Yisrael, but Leah came through Rachel. Rachel represents words, Leia represents thoughts. The machshava comes out through the dib. Since Rachel represents speech, who which is the revealed world, that's why in the time of the Beis Hamikdash there was such a revelation of godliness. Eretz was populated with people who were Bali, great sages, and also men of divine inspiration and prophets. Rashi in Tanakh in Yoyin and Yecheskel explains that Nevuah really dwells only in Eretz Yisrael, based on a Gemara Moed Katan, at the end of Moed Katan. Nevuah, and that's why Rashi says that Yoyin and Yecheskel, who prophesied outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's only because they began to prophesize in Eretz Yisrael. Then Yecheskel continued when he went into Golos Al Nahar Kvar on the Kvar River in Babylonia, and Yoyne prophesied after he got his nevuah after the the fish spit him out outside of Eretz Yisrael. But they both began in Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because in Eretz Yisrael you had Leah filtered through Rachel. Leah represents the inner world. Rachel represents the outer world. When Leah is filtered through Rachel, everything is revealed, everything emerges. So therefore, when Leah is accessed through Rachel, your thoughts have a vehicle of expression, which are basically words. That's what happens, and that's why in Eretz Yisrael, we had Artsoy Sachayim, Leah and Rachel working in unison. Leah and Rachel here are symbolic, obviously. In unison, godliness is revealed. You have Nevoah, you have Ruach HaKodesh, you have a tremendous, the antennas are up. People are sensing godliness in a very, very powerful way. Ubefrat, besides the Nevi'im, you have Beis HaMikdash, you have Hashras HaShchina B'Kodesh HaKadoshim, you have Urim V'Tumim, you have Avoides HaKarbonas, the Gemara says, Yoyred Eish Milmaila. All these elements represent the fact that in Eretz Yisrael there was like an antenna that was so sensitive to the godly energy and it became a reality that was manifested in the land, both in terms of people, in terms of personalities, in terms of uh, the Beis Hamikdash, in terms of the Shechina, the Kodesh Hakadoshim, the Urim Betumim, and the Avodas Hakarbonis, all of this was a place where the Shechina was much more manifested in a revealed way. And like in everything in the world, there's always Zela Umaza, right? So the Klipa, therefore, is also very spiritual, which is the reason that Avodas Zara, we once spoke about Avodas Zara, was so rampant during Bayes Rishna, was such a great temptation because. The spiritual language was a very common one. A spiritual high was very common. So therefore, Klippa had to contend with that reality. So Avodah Zarah offered people deep meditative 
skills and it offered them journeys into mindful states of consciousness that allowed them to suck out very profound spiritual energies and experience a certain form of spiritual ecstasy without the discipline, without the structures, put it this way, that Kedusha demands, often with a lot of promiscuity. But Avedizara was so compelling, it's very hard for us to understand even what was so compelling about it. Because in Bayashani, and especially after Chorban Bayashani, this is primarily in Bayashrish, <coughs> where the fire used to come down from, come down to burn up the Karbonas, and there was Urim Vitumim. In the Bayashani already, this was also very diminished, as we'll see. But therefore, in the Bayashani already, the Gemara says in Mesechta Sanhedrin and Mesechta Yuma that the Yetzahara of Avaydazara was bottled, it was, it was destroyed. It works both ways, in Kedusha also that the spiritual conversation of Judaism was diluted, it was compromised. Often the structures took over. The powerful structures took over rather than the internal uh, conversation with God. But there was a very deep conversation with God that was happening because Leah was filtered through Rachel. Now something happened. After the Beis Hamidosh is destroyed, Golu Yisrael. The Jews go into exile, but something else happens. It's not only geographical. The Gol Seimam Hashchina, the divine presence, also goes into exile. Shehib Chinas Rachel, the Shechina is always associated with Rachel. Shehib Chinas Golus, Rachel went into exile. That's why Rachel Mevaka Al Banah. She cries at the end of Yirmiyah. Ba'ayin Sarim, she goes into Golus in the seventy spiritual princesses. Ayin Sarim represents the fact that there are generally seventy nations. And the 70 nations each have a sire, which is like a spiritual energy. It's called like a spiritual prince or minister, so to speak. The, one, the energy that's in charge on that region or that country, that civilization or that nation. And Rachel, the Shechina, goes into Golos, into those realities. It becomes part of that civilization in exile. Therefore, Rachel does not shine at all in the same way that she was revealed during the time of the Beis Hamidish, when the Dibur, when the Dibur, meaning the words, were revealed. To understand what Rachel is now, you have to compare it to what the Pasuk says, which is a Pasuk in Yeshaya, Perik Nun Gimel. Rachel means a sheep, a U, E-W-E. That is a Rachel in Hebrew. Rachel is a sheep, right? From the sheep family. A you. A you. Not a you as a you. A you as a you. Now you understood, right? Thanks for clarifying. like a you. In the presence of her shearers. Those who shear its wool. She remains silent. Sheep don't protest. They allow you to cut off all their beautiful, majestic, splendid, bright wool quietly. They are docile, submissive. In Yiddish you say, as a shepsala, right? Some people are bulls and some people are sheep. In English as well. A sheep. It represents, she's silent. She doesn't revolt. That's Rachel and Golos. Sometimes people are in that state. You know, do whatever you want and I don't say a word. Why? You're in a state of exile. You're, you're, you're in a state of concealment. And that's what the Shechina allows to happen in Golos. Unlike in the Beis HaMikdash, when Rachel was in full splendor, she was fully revealed, and she was expressing, ultimately, Leah's energy that was filtered through Rachel, so you had godliness revealed. Now, in Golos, the Avoid changes. It's 
Bederich Birurim. Birurim doesn't mean, Birurim is a whole different avayda. Birurim is back to the idea of boirer, sorting, selecting, designating, separating. Birurim generally in one word means struggle. What's struggle? Struggle is to find the angel that's trapped in the marble. I use that expression, just reminding. They asked Michelangelo, who was, of course, a unique, uh, talented sculpturer, how he managed to, uh, to sculpture out these magnificent, magnificent, huh? David and other ones. I mean, magnificent, how he did it. So he explained that he really didn't do anything. <laughs> like all great artists, they don't do anything, right? He said, I saw the angel trapped in the marble. And I chiseled away on the marble and I set the angel free. So that's what biruda means. Biruda means the angel is trapped in the marble. And all you have to do is chisel away, but that's very hard because you don't see the angel in the marble. That's when something is in Golos, you don't see it. So the avoid today is to look for, for, for the to look for the, the goodness, the inspiration, the godliness. Because Rachel is not Begilui. When Rachel is Begilui, and Rachel represents a very deep spiritual energy, so spirituality is Begilui, then the Avoid is not Birurim. It's a very different Avoid. What was the Avoid talking about before? When, when Rachel was so, the Shekhinah was so obvious and apparent. What Avoid should there have been? There was no struggle. Oh, so that's why the great struggle then was Avoid Zara. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The great struggle was Avoid Zara. In other words, the question would be. Am I ready for that relationship? Am I ready for that intense relationship with God or not? And channel that ecstasy. Yeah. Where am I going to channel it? Where am I going to channel it? Now it's an avayda b'chlal if there's a relationship going on. If there is a relationship going on. That's a different avayda. Umikol makayim, but here's the catch. Umikol makayim nisha meyber, it's Yisrael b'chines leya. Rachel can go into galus. Leya never goes into galus. That's the paradox. The subconscious, the true unconscious, can't be manipulated. It doesn't go into Golos. So Leia remains in Eretz Yisrael. That's the key about Leia. Leia is a completely higher state of consciousness than Rach. What you think, you can't express often in words. And we know, uh, there's a story in Priyat Chaim, Reb Chaim Vital says that his Rebbe, the Arizal, once took a nap Shabbos afternoon. He woke up and from the nap, and he says that he just experienced Saidus Hatayr in the parish of Bolok and Bilom. So Chaim Vital asked if he could give it over. So he says, he slept for like an hour or two. He says, even if I speak for 80 years, I can't say what I saw. We see generally that what you process in thought to say it is much longer. You all know you could think about something, in 30 seconds you could cover the world. You could sell your business a hundred times and buy it back and make hundreds of decisions. Now I say, what were you thinking about? Oh, where do you want me to begin? It was just 30, you were daydreaming for 30 seconds. Because it operates on a different level. Time becomes, you know, time bends, uh, to use uh, that language. It, 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 everything changes. What you have a machshava to bring down in Dibur is a whole different reality. That's even thoughts that you can articulate. Then there are thoughts that are even deeper that you can't even articulate. You don't have the words for them. Generally, words are containers. Let, all letters are containers. The more it has to come down, the more it has to shrink. 
the more it has to be limited. You'll see a fascinating phenomenon. You talk to a person about sports, if they know about sports, they could speak four hours without stopping for a moment. Four hours. You go over to the same person and you say, can you describe to me who you are in your deepest core? Uh, 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 uh. Most people won't be able to speak about it for more than ten seconds. And even that will be very difficult for them. Sports, you could just spoke about four hours. I asked you who you are in your deepest place. That's so, that's you. Not about sports. The weather you could speak about. Trump you could speak about. Hillary you could speak about even more. But, uh, or, or less. But yourself? The answer, of course, is, I'm talking even if you trust a person. If you don't trust a person, you don't trust a person. The answer is because words are containers. And because they're containers, so things that transcend those containers are very hard to limit in words. So things that are more superficial, the words can easily become containers for them because what are they containing? They're not containing deep light. But the deeper you go into yourself, the more you will struggle to find words. People will say, What does that mean? I don't have the one and you have the words. You you don't stop speaking. (laughs) You don't stop talking. Why don't you have the words? The answer is because words are containers and containers are finite. They're Caleb. They're finite. The cup has seven ounces. It's too much to say, and sometimes it's too deep to say. I don't even know it myself. I haven't processed it. I feel it, I sense it, I experience it. And the deeper it is, the less words. And that is why people, humanity, invented different languages besides words. For example, we have the language of poetry. What is poetry? Poetry, of course, used the same letters we use in the alphabet. But poetry lends itself to contain emotions that regular sentences, paragraphs, etc. would not convey. And then we have a different language, with the language of music. The language of music is also a language. Every song tells a story. But it, it lends itself to encompass an energy that can't be conveyed through words. Palatani used to say that a niggin without words is much deeper than a niggin with words. And then you have, of course, the sound of silence. Silence contains things that even a song and even and, and poetry and certainly regular prose or, or words uh, can't contain. So the deeper it is, the more it has a challenge to be filtered through Dibur. In the time of the Beis Hamikdash, all Leah's energy come through Rachel. Rachel is the filter. She's the strainer. And therefore, there's tremendous revelation. Because Rachel is expressive. Rachel is articulate. Rachel is the revealed world. She brings it out. So you have, when you're dealing with godliness, it explodes, it emerges. In, the, in, in Golos, Rachel went into Golos. Ne'elama. So she's now quiet. What remains, however, Leah. Leah is much higher than Rachel. He says, "Kamashal amachshave she ruchni is v'nailus min adibur. She he ain't a begalus. Machshave transcends dibur. It's more subtle. It's more spiritual. It's more elevated. And what you, when you talk about machshave, you have to understand there's two things in machshave. There's three things. There is machshave that prepares for speech. That's machshave that we think similar to how we speak. It's still much higher and faster." Right? Sometimes a person thinks they, they have to have the vart, the machshava, and now start saying it, it's very difficult. Right? And sometimes people don't even realize how dramatic the transition is. You have to give a speech, you have to give a presentation, you have it in your mind, and then you start saying it and you see you don't have it, because it's a special journey from the world of machshava to the world of dibur, and sometimes a traumatic one for, in some situations, a difficult one. It's not an easy transition. In your thought it was very rich, 
and it came out, you say, it didn't come out. You were excited about it? By you. But speaking is a whole different art because speaking actually is more listening than speaking. Because speaking, you have to understand the audience and what they experience and, and who they are and what they're... It's a whole different thing. Machshava is very, not selfish, but it's internalized. That's machshava, one level of machshava. That's letters. Then there's machshava in pictures, visualization, which is even higher. But then there is, and in that itself there's various levels of machshava, but then there is machshava that you're not even aware of. Those are what we would call unconscious thoughts. Unconscious thoughts are thoughts. They're deep experiences. Not only don't they come out in a revealed way in Dibur, they don't even come out in a revealed way in conscious thoughts. So when you talk about machshava, there's machshava on top of machshava on top of machshava, and it's always higher than Dibur. Shehi eina begalus. And that does not go into exile. It does not get manipulated because it's not expressive. Because it's not expressive, it can't go into gullus, it can't go into exile, it can't be hijacked. Because it remains concealed, so it remains immune, it remains protected. There are two mems. There's a mem psucha and a mem stuma. Mem psucha is an open mem. Mem stuma is a mem soifus. It's a sealed mem. In Yeshaya, there's a posik that in the middle of the posik you have a shlos mem. Lemar misra ad ein I think Yeshaya perik tes. There's a shlos mem. Mem psucha means it's sealed off. Nobody could be a parasite there. Mem stuma. Mem psucha, you have parasites. They come and take it. From Rachel, there can be parasites. Yenikasachetzayinah means external forces that are parasitic. They feed off your energy. From Leah, she remains aloof. Because she remains aloof, so therefore, it doesn't lend itself for people, for chitzayinah, for external forces to take them. But because Leia represents the unconscious world of concealment, that's why the revelation today in Eretz Yisrael, you can't compare to the revelation of the time of the Beis HaMetosh, because then you had Rachel in Eretz Yisrael, and Rachel filtered it in a revealed way. Rachel spoke it. Once Rachel goes into Golos, what remains in Eretz Yisrael? Leia. Leia remains in Israel, but Leia is inaccessible. Leia is very hard to have access to Leia. Because for Leia, you have to go into very deep places of yourself. And that's what remains in Israel, so you don't have the same Gilui. However, something else happens. The great Sadikim in the land. Tzaddikim could take, get today in Eretz Yisrael higher, deeper hasagas, deeper levels of perception than what Tzaddikim on equal par, on equal level, would have received Bisman Abayas. Why? Because in order to have hasaga today, you have to get from Leah. And if you go into Leah, it's unfiltered. And if it's unfiltered, it's far more profound. Because you're grasping the energy from the higher thought beyond being enclosed in the world of speech. Take a person like that reason. How do you explain the phenomenon of that reason? Darizal revolutionized the landscape of Jewish mysticism in a way that was unprecedented in all of Jewish history. Darizal was a product of Golda. Darizal lived in the 16th century, spent two years in Tzvas, 
passed away uh, Shin Lamed Beis, 1572, at the young age of 36. Two years taught, but what Arizal did in the world of Chachmas Anister was unprecedented till then. Anyone who even knows anything about Kisvei Arizal, it was like everything he touched was transformative. He said, where did Arizal get this from? No Beis HaMikdash, no Nevi'im, no not that level of Nevu'en, not Ruch HaKodesh, that level, no Urevetumim, the whole Gilead Akos that existed was gone. It was just, you're dealing with the 16th century, it was a very difficult time. Adam and Empire and Eretz Yisrael, Golos Shabagolos. Where does this happen from? The answer is, and even Rashbi, Rib Shimon Bayechai, who lived in Golos, he lived after the Churban, he was in a cave, also in Eretz Yisrael. So you have here, he's bringing an example of Darizal, because Darizal was like... Uh, as they say, you know, Mishamaya Kanochis, so to speak, came down from heaven. Where is this phenomenon? Dafke and Golos? The answer is precisely that. On one level, when you come into Eretz Yisrael, you may feel very little. You may feel nothing, or you may feel very little. You don't have that uh, explosion, articulation, and revealed manifestation of divine energy. It's still not Chutzlar, Eretz Yisrael is Eretz Yisrael. Even many of us simple Jews feel something in Eretz Yisrael. But uh, what is that really? You know, and is, that, is that cultural? Is it, how authentic is it? How deep it is? But certainly it's not like Bisman Habayis. Because the explosive energy is not there because Rachel went into Golos. Together with the Shrachel. Rachel represents the Shechina. The Shechina is in Golos. And Golos is a different reality. It's the void of Birurim. Birurim is not about inspiration. Birurim is about working through the issues and finding the angel trapped in the marble. And then finding your inspiration. But uh, what remains in Eretz Yisrael is Leia. And Leia is much deeper than Rachel. But because she's deeper than Rachel, she's inaccessible. It's very hard to put your finger on Leia because it slips away. <laughs> you want to talk about it, and then there's no it to talk about. It doesn't lend itself easily to access. It's like the subconscious of a person or the superconscious of a person. What does your superconscious look like? Or what does your subconscious look like? I use super because sub means under, super means above, so I'm using superconscious rather than subconscious. Kesser is above Chachma, not lower. But the concept here is that it's beyond, beyond the consciousness. So we all have brains who filter out our subconscious, and they allow us to experience a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction and less of our subconscious. Our brain evaluating what you can deal with today and what you can't deal with today. And if you mature a little bit, the brain will give you a little more of what's going on. But to have an absolute revelation of the subconscious, you know what people would look like? You know what you, know what you would look like to yourself? We survive because of ignorance. Ignorance is our savior. And ignorance, I mean ignorance of self. We survive that way. We can function as half-baked normal people. I'm speaking about myself. I know you're all very normal. But we can function as, as semi-normal people because we don't know. We don't know. What happens when you get access to it? There will be no filter. You know what we call people that have no filter? We have a name for them, huh? Psychotic. Now sometimes they speak the truth. Sometimes they mama speak the truth. But nonetheless... The filter is pr- protects us because we're limited. And when you have finite vessels, the energy has to be limited. But what happens if you can access in Kedusha, Leia? Then it's a whole different level of Asaga. Darizal, when you in Eretz Yisrael, if you don't tap in, you don't tap in. But if you tap in, you're tapping into Leia, not Tiracha. And if you're tapping into Leia, it's a whole different level of energy. It's like a nuclear energy. 
So therefore the Arizal, etc., these types of personalities, they tapped into the Pchina of Leah, and therefore their Hasaga was even greater than the time of the Besamikdash. Which doesn't, of course, take away from the Beis Hamikdash and all of its revelations, but precisely the Chesorim becomes the Maila. Wouldn't you say that somebody like the Arizal was the Rachel, where they brought it out into words for everybody else? They they acted as that filter, perhaps. Yeah, but it's not. It's still esoteric. I mean, it's not like right. I can understand his words to really understand what he means. He was extremely esoteric. Right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 mostly code language when he writes. Mm-hmm. Almost all of it is, 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 is absolutely mysterious. If Leo didn't change, so how come, I mean, I'm assuming if nothing changed, and I guess I haven't done the Samikdash's times, don't they be able to, the big Tzadikah, go straight to Leo? No, that's a great question. The answer is because he didn't have to go to Leo. Leo... Right, because if you know that you have to go straight and get way bigger, like you said, there was bigger... You're saying, why then didn't they go straight to Leia? Because Leia was there. The answer is, al what we learned about Makif. <laughs> when Leia is working through Rachel, that's how you channel Leia. When there's, the Chisarim becomes the Maila. Like we spoke, uh, we spoke about, you know, on a different level, of course. This is, now we're not dealing here with Klippa, we're dealing here with Kedusha. But that concept is, when Leia is not available, when Leia is not available because Rachel is not here, then there is the impetus, the challenge to be able to reach Leia. Yes, theoretically, the Indian is there, even then. But since there's a Gilu through Rachel, so that's, that's so to speak, it's workable. It's reality. It's happening that way. Confusing yesterday and today, but... Say, say. But because I, once I have a structure, in this case the structure is the language, everything I conceive of immediately becomes the language. So I'm trying to go to, I would try to go to Leia and see it as Leia, but it immediately becomes Rachel. It becomes, I guess, the Makif automatically becomes... In other words, the, very well. The paradigm in the time of the Beis Hamikdash is one where Rachel is Dakar Sabayas. So therefore, any experience ultimately somehow fits into that paradigm. It becomes Rachel. It becomes Dibur. Because that is, that is how we're functioning. That is the energy... That, that's the mechanism that's used. That's the energy we're tapping into. Is there a Metzius of Leah beyond Rachel? Of course there is. But when I'm accessing that Metzius, I'm accessing it according to what's available here, how we're functioning, how we're operating. The Ruchnius that is vibrating in Eretz Yisrael during this Manabites, which is a tremendous Hizgalus, because it's working with Rachel. In the, in, 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 in the time of Galus, that mechanism is gone. Nothing is even articulated. Which is why Golos is Golos and so powerful. And that's the whole idea of Golos. It's not just geographical. Even in Eretz is Golos. Even in Eretz they say, Even though you're in Eretz what's the Golinu Me'artzeinu? Because Golos is geographical, but Golos is also existential. It's a sense of displacement. So when there's that spiritual displacement, so then, if I access Leia, I, I need a whole different language. It's a completely different language. So we have from here, I mean, he right away, he started with Leia and Rachel, he right away went on a trip to history with Eretz and Golos, but of course you have to bring it back to Leia and Rachel, to the literal Leia and Rachel. We have a really very, uh, I would say, penetrating, probably unprecedented insight into these two people, Leia and Rachel. Ve'ene Leia Rakos, ve'rochel hoise yifas toyah mara. Leia and Rachel was not just an older sister, a younger sister. Rachel was beautiful, and Leia didn't have that uh, 
that beauty of Rachel, I mean, that's on a physical level, but there's something much deeper about Leia and Rachel. That Leia is really a soul who's obviously in touch with Alma Discasia. She's in touch with the hidden world. She operates on that level. Rachel, on the contrary, is the great filterer. She's in touch with Alma Discasia. It doesn't mean she has no Alma Discasia. Of course she does. But her Alma Discasia has a home. It has a home in Alma Discasia. Leia is Alma Discasia beyond Alma Discasia. In other words, her Alma Discasia does not have a home in Alma Discasia unless she's together with Rachel. That's the point. When she's not with Rachel, she is in the world of Alma Discasia. So now we understand when Rashi says that Leia used to cry a lot, right? Leia used to cry a lot. What else is she supposed to do? Huh? What else is she supposed to do? No, she can't articulate. She can't articulate. What, what are tears? It doesn't mean she cried she was a depressed soul. She was not. Leia was a giant. Leia was a great soul. But tears come from things that you can't articulate. Why do people start crying? It's overwhelming. It's intense. It says in Zoya when Rabbi Akiva used to say, Shir Hashirim Zolgu Ein of Moise. He would start crying. Shir Hashirim is not a tragic, uh, it's not a tragic story. It's not Eiv. It's not Eicha. It's not even Kohelis. Shashidim is full of love and promise and, and, and romance and affection. Why do we cry at our children's weddings? It's the, same, right. it's the same thing. It's such an overwhelming experience, like you're in touch with an energy that you don't have words for it. You don't have words, you start crying. Sometimes you start dancing, sometimes you start laughing. But crying represents something that's very deep. Leia was extremely, extremely deep. There's another mimer of the Balatanya, Actually, I made, we, Isaac, you made the copies? Isaac made copies of it, where he elaborates on this point. Here he continues on this. We'll see. We'll continue Mitzvah Hashem tomorrow. But there's another mimer where he says, it's a mimer the next year, the next year of Ayetzi. This was Tafka Fainal of the next year. It never made it into Torah, but there's a whole other set called Maimari Admur Hazakim, which is like 25 Svarim of the Alter Rebbe besides Torah and Lukut Torah. A red set, my Mariad Murhazakin, they probably have it upstairs. So this it's year by year. So Tafkofai and Bayes, he has a Maimur of Ayatse. And there he says something extraordinary. He says, Leia in Hebrew, you know what the word Leia in Hebrew means, anybody? Like Nileh? Right. The first time you have the word Leia is in Parshas Vayera. Vayilu Limtsai Hapesach. Then you have in Parsha Shmois, Nilu Mitzrayim Lishtus Mayim in Then you have the Navi cries, Niloi Nilesi. You know what it means in all cases, in all situations? Exhaustion. Defeat. Exhaustion. Nilu, they're blinded. I can't find the door. I'm exhausted. Nilu Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim are too exhausted to drink. They keep on drinking and it's always blood. Niloi Nilesi, the Navi says, God says, I'm tired of coming to you. You're always rejecting me. In modern Hebrew, they have Leut. Lamid Yud Alevav Saf, which means dread, exhaustion, Ayefus. Who names a daughter exhaustion? Leia means exhaustion, right? And what would the therapist say about it? What's your name? Leia. Wow, that's a good boost for self-confidence. You were born, your mother looked at you and said, exhaustion. Who names a child that way? That's what Leia means. Leia means exhaustion. Rachel means a you. <laughs> okay. Rachel is begematria 238. The same gematria of Vayihi'ar. There was light. That's Rachel. And generally a sheep is a very bright animal. The Gemara says in Shabbos, Ayin Zayin, 
Izim, my time, Izim, Mazgim, Bereisha, Bereish, Chashoycha, Vodim, Nahira. Most goats are dark color, most sheep are white, bright. Sheep are also easily accessible animals. Children who have issues with sensory integration, right? Often therapists will say they should handle animals because it's therapeutically healthy, but sheep are usually the easiest because there's least resistance. Even the way sheep uh, convey their, their emotions, the mehez, ma'ori rachamim. Kvasim ma'ori rachamim, we learned once in a Maimer and Emer about Sviris Ha'imer. Keves, Keves, Kesef, if you remember. Yaakov Hifrid. Yaakov Hifrid, Aksavim, Hifrid, Yaakov. So the Keves, Rachel, is bright, it's white. It's the gematria of it's relaxed. It's serene, it's a docile animal, it's an easy-going animal. People who have farms know goats are difficult, they're sly, they're stubborn, they're smart, they're chutzpinyaks, they're abstinent, and sheep are very easy-going animals. Mamash. Leia means exhaustion. Why are you naming this Leia? So the Alter Rebbe explains, because Leia wasn't exhausted because she didn't have enough sleep, Leah was exhausted because whoever lives in Alma de Escasia is exhausted because it never stops. And he says they look at thoughts. You never stop thinking. You could hopefully stop talking. Hopefully I'll soon stop. But thinking, you don't, who stops thinking? Try stop thinking. And if you stop, if you try to stop thinking, then you're thinking about the fact that you try to stop thinking. And if you even try to try to stop thinking about the fact that you're trying to stop thinking, you'll be thinking about whatever you're thinking. Even if you can clear up your mind, right? Some experience of Machshava continues. The world of Alma Deskasi is dynamic, it's never ending, and it's infinitely profound and complex. That's the exhaustion. It's an exhaustion from being alert to very deep levels of energy. Rachel is much lighter. Light as in light, and therefore light as in light as in L I G H T. And light as in, uh, <laughs> as in light. It light, literally light, lighter, lighter. It's spelled the same. Bud light, yes, yes. <laughs> so it, it, it really represents two realities. And I think we can apply this also in our lives. There are two types of souls. And, and I think there's some people sitting in this room that will identify this, will identify this quite easily, or some people listening. And that is... There are people for whom uh, they're perceptive, they're very deeply perceptive. Whenever you're deeply perceptive, things are more complicated. Right? There's people who go into a simcha and they pick up everybody's energy. And they come home exhausted for two weeks, they have to recover. And other people come home and around five minutes later they forgot they were there. Right? Sometimes you have between a husband and a wife, yeah? The wife is like, I can't believe what happened, what he said, he said, he said. And the husband is like, oh, he was there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, he was just at the Shabbos table for, for four hours. I, you don't even know he was there. Oh, you already forgot he came. He was there. What do you mean? It, like, turned over my soul and you don't know? So who's right and who's wrong? They're both. People operate on different frequencies. Some people, they feel things in a very deep way within themselves and within other people. And they don't know what's their energy with other people's energy. They get exhausted. They're exhausted from themselves. They're pushed exhausted from themselves. Not because they're superficial, because they're deep. Yosef da'as, Yosef machayv. The more perception, the more pain. The more 
uh, you're sensitive to reality. You're sensitive to reality. There was a, there was a poet. His name was Tzvi Yoyer, a Jewish poet. He lived in New York. His real name was Tzvi Meyer Steinmetz. I happened to know him. His pseudo, his pen name for poetry was Tzvi Yoyer. So he has a poem I once read. It's called Hamanhig, the leader. And he describes there what a real leader is. He says the real leader is standing in front of a cliff. And he knows that with one move, he can fall down that cliff. But his shoulders are so broad, and his stature is so tall, that he eclipses the vision of the cliff from all of his students and disciples and followers. So as they're following him, they're following with security, with serenity. And only he knows that that moment, that moment, that little chutasire, that little thread moving in the wrong direction, and everybody falls into the abyss. But everyone is clueless. Everybody is unaware of it. He says those are the real manhigim. And no one even guess what they go through because they want to project to the people the confidence that they can do it. They don't want to fill them with the uncertainty and doubt because most people would melt. They don't melt. Most people would melt. So sometimes, in a very powerful way, people who are in touch with certain levels of energy, it remains completely eclipsed to other people. They just don't know about it. It's not about easing it up. It's about embracing your mission in life. It's not about easing it up. Huh? Oh, but so that's where the mental illness often comes from very deep, profound... I can't stop the thoughts. I can't stop. And it's not because they're less perceptive. It's because they're more perceptive. They don't have filters. That's why Leia and Rachel ultimately have to join forces. Being perceptive won't get you to lay, but you have to have a filter on the perception. You have to be able to understand, you have to be able to understand how to live in this world with Leia. Uh, 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 it's not simple. Right, right, right. So Leia was really it's a blocker. Rufa was really a blocker to Leia. A what? A blocker. Rufa was there, you fooled her. The filter, not, not like we thought before, in a good way. You couldn't get to Leia. Um, uh, no, like everything. Yeah. It's not good or bad. It, it's just different realities. Yeah, in the time of the Beis HaMikdush, all Leia comes through Rachel. And in terms of Kedusha, what that means is, in term, I'm just giving this an example in psychology, but in terms of Kedusha, what it means is that the Kedusha can be articulated and relatable to all on some level. When in this, the time of the Golos, it's not relatable because it's, uh, you need very, very subtle perception. And if you look at Eretz Yisrael, you may see nothing. There's nothing going on here. Of course there's nothing going on. It's not your frequency. <laughs> there's nothing going on. That, somebody else walks there to sound like, oh my God, like, you know, they... <laughs> What's the reason why Leah was crying? You said because she huh? wasn't with Rachel? Leah was crying. I once saw a letter a Yid wrote to the Lubavitcher Rebbe in the early 60s that he went to Eretz Yisrael. People wouldn't go to Israel a lot then. It was not so partial. And he took pictures and the film got exposed. You remember the old pictures? <laughs> The film got it, and all the pictures got ruined. And he was devastated. He went, he planned his trip, and he took the pictures, and, and this, and all the pictures got ruined. Why he wrote to the Lubavitch and what was the Rebbe supposed to do? Heal his film? I don't know what this man wanted from Lubavitch but that's what he wrote to him. So he writes back to him a letter, I'm sorry, this, and then he says, but maybe there's something very positive what happened. Because if the pictures would have worked out, you would have thought that you were an Eretz Yisrael from the pictures. 
you would have thought that you got out to Israel. Hey, picture, I was here, I was here, I was there, I was there. And now you actually have to work it out if you were talking out to Israel. You have to work it out internally. You have no pictures. Now you have to actually... Uh, were you in Eretz Yisrael, Taka? You can't project it on the pictures. You understand? <laughs> so he wrote back to him. So what Somebody once wrote a poem that he went on vacation. He went boating and he took a video of everything because he wanted to hold on to it. You know, he went rowing, he took a video. He went canoeing, he took a video. He went hiking. He didn't want to do anything without a video because he wanted the vacation to last. Yeah? So if he did this for two weeks. Wherever he went, a video camera. And he says at the end, he realized that his video camera was on vacation. <laughs> he was not there. He was no experience. So you could drop there to Israel. It's a land, you know. It's a, uh, there's a Strauss's ice cream. What's the good ice cream over there? Strauss, yeah? Strauss's ice cream. Uh, a good Lafa. Ben Yehuda. Sure, it's all there to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> Even the Kaisel, I get some Kaisel. Flopped off Galea. There's a famous Talmud Yerushalmi that Divrei Torah Aniyah B'Makam Echad V'Ashirim B'Makam Acher. Words of Torah are poor in one place and wealthy in another place, which means that whenever you learn any sugi and halacha and gemara and mishnayis or shochanaruch, whatever it is, in any part of Torah. You don't have usually in one place all the information that you need to have. In one place it may be brief, concise, so to speak, poor in the sense that it's not fully developed or articulated that you can understand. And you look to another place and there you have more wealth. And you have to bring the two together. That's how it is everywhere. That's how it, it works. One sugya borrows from the other and the other one borrows from the first. That's how it works. Same is true, of course, in all aspects of Torah. Yesterday we started to learn... The Maimon in Torah Bonus, which was said by the Balatanya in Tovkov Ayin Aleph, as I mentioned, which is 1810. And the main idea he brought out in the first section of the Maimon, now the Maimon goes off to a second section, was that Rachel and Leah represent spiritually, mystically, two dynamics the world of thought and the world of speech, the hidden world and the revealed world, or in the original language, Almadiskasya and Almadiskalya. And he applied it to the two stages of Jewish history. In the time of the Beis Hamikdash, when the Shekhinah was so manifestedly revealed in the Holy Land, the idea was that Leah was being filtered through Rachel. In other words, the energy of Leah, of the hidden world, was coming out through Rachel, who represents the energy that can be articulated and defined and revealed, because she represents Dibur. So therefore, Dibur, the skill of Dibur, Dibur represents the ability to articulate things and tuning into those things that can be articulated through speech in an organized fashion. And therefore there was a tremendous explosion and revelation of godliness in Eretz Yisrael in terms of the Beis HaMikdash, Nevi'im, Bali Ruach HaKodesh, Hashras HaShchina, Urim V'tumim, the Karbonus, the fire came down from heaven, etc. After the Churban Beis HaMikdash, Rachel goes into exile. Kerachel Lefnei Goizezeha Ne'alama, that's the concept of Golis HaShchina. And the Avoidah becomes one that is more focused on Birurim. Birurim is sorting, selecting, dissecting, struggling, removing shells and husks, and excavating, right? Excavating and discovering the angel in the marble. But nonetheless, in Eretz you still have Leia. Leia does not go into Golis. And Leia is much deeper than Rachel, just like Machshava is far deeper than Dibur. It can't be articulated in Dibur. So when Leah is being filtered, so to speak, through Rachel, 
Leia is being revealed in a cohesive, organized fashion in Eretz Yisrael. That's the time of the Beis Hamikdash. When Leia is not being filtered through Rachel, it remains iskasiyadik. It remains concealed, and thus the gilui alakus in Eretz Yisrael lacks. You don't have the gilui because you don't have the Rachel. But those people who can tune in to the energy that is available in Eretz Yisrael can tune in to Hasagas Alyonis Yoiser to greater and deeper Hasagas, even then similar tzaddikim on the same level would experience the Bezman Beis Because they're challenged to access the energy of Leia which transcends deeply the energy of Rachel because it's a Hasagah in Machshavah rather than a Hasagah in Dibur. It's almost like not watching you speak but watching you think. Watching you think, experiencing your thought, or on another level, not experiencing your conscious thoughts, but experiencing your unconscious thoughts. And he gives the example of the Arizal, or similar with the Yerub Shimon Bayechai, who were all in the time of Golis, not in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, and nonetheless, their Hasagas were, were unique. The next year, Tovkov Ayin Beis, the Alter Rebbe said another Maimer, also on this Parsha. Tovkov Ayin Beis would be 1811 which is actually one year before his passing, which was Tovkov Ayin Gimel, 1812, Tevis, It's a very short one, and uh, we made a copy of it. I mentioned one idea from there. So we're going to go back to this Maimon. But to understand what he says here about Leia and Rachel here, there's a few, be- a few has baited that he said one year later that give um, tremendous clarification and also application to this discussion about Leah and Rachel and what they represent. This uh, Maimir, you could, you could see it, uh, we made a copy here, it's from a set, Maimari Admur Hazaken, of the year Tovko Fayin Beis, that series of that year. And it's actually a uniquely short Maimir, they're usually not so short, as you see, they're usually longer, but this is one, uh, one paragraph. And um, if you look in footnote one, on the word, it starts Inyin, he says, Nitvas Khan Miguf Ksaviat Khoidush at Samachadek Besefer Tovkofayan Base. But Samachadek, who was the grandson of the Balatanya, his daughter's son, was uh, was was one of one of the writers of his grandfather's discourses. And uh, he wrote this down, this piece that he heard from his grandfather, and they still have the original manuscript, and they printed it from his original manuscript from the Tzamachadek who wrote these words that he heard from his grandfather. And it starts, well, let's take a look inside. Inyan kisnu Leia. Let's understand the concept that Leia was hated. Vayehavis Rachel. And Yaakov loved Rachel. Which is, of course, a pelish of a pella. The Torah says, Lovon shtei bonas, sheh magdoy leleya, sheh magdana Rachel. Vayehav Yaakovis Rachel. Torah, it says the difference. The eyes of Leia were weak, were poor, were soft. Rakos. Rakos means soft, or weak, or dim. Rashi says she wept a lot. And Yaakov, and Yerachel is Yifas Toya, Yifas Mara. She's, she's gorgeous. Her, her beauty is, is, is dazzling. It's splendid. Rashi says Toyar and Mara represent different things. Toyar is the physique, the symmetry of one's physique. And Mara is the Ziv cluster upon him, the countenance, the face of a person. There's two aspects to the beauty of a body. And she's both Yifas Toya, Yifas Mara, but Yav, Yaakov is Rachel. He loves Rachel. And the love doesn't stop. The love doesn't cease. It's not like after seven years, you know, it calms down. On the contrary, when Yaakov is deceived by his father-in-law, and who gives him Leah instead of Rachel, so it says that Yaakov consummates the marriage with Leah. In the morning, he sees, 
And he comes to Lavan and he says, Lamari Misani, why did you deceive me? I worked for Rachel. And Lavan, of course, says, I am the moral person, you're the crook. In our place, we don't put the oldest before the younger. You don't marry off an older, younger sister before an older sister. You finish your Sheva Brachas, Malish You'll marry Rachel, and you'll work for another seven years. You'll work for 14 years to get your two wives. And Yaakov agrees. He, he goes through with, he goes through. And he'll marry Rachel, he'll work another seven years. And the Torah sums up the story by Yav Gamis Rachel Mileya. He loves Rachel too, but he loves her more than Leah. And the next scene is Vayar Hashem Kisnua Leah. Hashem saw that Leah was literally hated. So Al-Tarebbe wants to understand what's this union of Snua Leah and Rachel is loved. How do you understand this? Besides, you have a question. So Yaakov was Bamish married to a woman that he despised, that he loathed. And you see all of her children, she struggles with this. The first boy she names Reuven. Ra Hashem Ba'ani, God saw my pain. Ki Yevani, she now will love me. Shimon, Shama Hashem, Ki Snuah God heard that I am hated. Levi, now finally my husband will become a partner. Apam Yilava. So this is an experience in Leah. What's the Havana of this? What's the understanding of this? Hatam. The reason is this. Mishum Shepchines Leah Higavoya Ba'oid B'madrega. Contrary to what one may think intuitively when they read the story, or maybe exactly what one would think intuitively, Leah is extremely, an extremely lofty person, a very sublime person. She's in a very, very deeply spiritually sensitive person. Hainupchines Eim Habonim. When it says in Tehillim, Eim Habanim Smeicha, she is the mother of the children. Shehemida Shisha Shvatim. Remember, she is the one who ultimately brought into the world six of the Shvatim of Klal Yisrael. Rachel brought two, Yosef and Binyamin. Bilha brought two. Zilpah, the other maid, brought another two. So between all of them, you had six. And Leah herself is the ultimate Eim Habanim who brings Shisha Shvatim. And the number six is important. The number six, six Shvatim come from her. And that's why Yaakov could not really recognize her. What does this mean? He couldn't recognize her. Yaakov represents the higher godly Midas. Or as it often says in the Maimorim, which is basically the combination of Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, Choyd, Yisoyt. Those are known as the Midois, Elyonis, Hashem's Midois. That's what Yaakov represents. And they are always Lamata Mehaseich. They are below awareness. Because emotions are born from Seichel, from awareness. Ki Amidois Nimshachis Mehaseichel. Midois come from Seichel. Kamay Shekazov, the Pasuk says in Mishle, Yud Beis, Lefi Sichloi, Yuhulal ish. According to one's mind, one's brain, one's seichel, a person will be praised. But here he teaches a different. Lefisichla Yuhulal ish means, you could also read it, Yahalel ish. A person praises according to his seichel. In other words, our emotions are always commensurate with our awareness. You cannot emote about anything without an awareness, without a label. Emotions are usually born from awareness. 
I love this person. I despise this person. I'm scared of this person. I'm crazy about this person. I'm jealous of this person. Or this thing or this item. Every emotion has to be preceded by thoughts that label it, define it, dissect it, and then you can emote. And that's why, even though sometimes emotions feel so intense, but the fact is, the way you think about things is ultimately the way you feel about things. We respond emotionally based on awareness. Sometimes we don't realize you could think about it in a different way because we take our thoughts for granted and we believe that they are absolutes. But the truth is, Midas are always based on so the seichel itself is always higher than the midas. It's superior, it's deeper than the midas. And that's where leia is. Like we learned in the Maimon Torah, leia is machshava, leia is almadiskasya, Yaakov is midas, so that means leia comes from a place that's deeper than Yaakov, spiritually, psychologically, deeper than Yaakov. Where do we see that Yaakov is midas? And I see that leia is so generally we say that Avram was the Pchin of Chesed and Yitzchak was the Pchin of Gvura. the Zohar says this and Yaakov was the Pchin of Tiferes and Rachamim Tiferes is considered like the vortex the center of the Midday so that's why we associate him with uh, with the Midday generally even though it's Midas HaTiferes Midas HaTiferes is considered like the central the central Midday when you speak about Leia, Seichel itself has so many layers. Leia represents the final rung of Seichel, which are the letters of thought, which are really the garments of Seichel, because all ideas are cloaked in thoughts. Ideas are cloaked in thoughts. Pictures, truths, what we call Seichel, ideas, the way we process ideas is by thinking about the ideas. Can you tap into an idea without thinking about the idea? That's, that's a profound experience. We process ideas through processing ideas. Processing ideas means I'm thinking about the idea. That's the levush. So even though machshava, we don't, associate, we don't distinguish between thinking about an idea and an idea. But the truth is, ideas and thoughts of the idea are two separate things. Machshava is considered the p'china acharoina of seichel because it's the levush for the seichel. It, what do I mean a levush? A levush means it's my handle, it's my access to the idea. How do I have an idea? I have to think about it and then I could speak about it. But first is machshava, which is a levush. Valkei nikras leia. That's why she's called leia. Shemiloshna yefus. Leia comes from the idea means, which means exhaustion, tired. Kamoi vayilu limtsei ha-pesach. In Parshas Vayera, it says that the malachim um, struck the people of Zdoim B'Sanveirim, they were blinded, and therefore Vayilu, they, they were exhausted from looking for the door to be able to break into Lloyd's house, they're searching and searching and searching to the point that they, they just fell from exhaustion and dread, it's too much, Vayilu Limtzai HaPasach. So Leia is, Leia denotes Ayefa's exhaustion, Shehinila Tamit, because Leia represents something that is forever exhausted, tired, Why? Because she's always receiving a flow of energy and it never stops. Because thoughts are always moving. Even when you're sleeping, you would think you could shut off your thoughts. You don't shut off your thoughts. You just dream. 
but you're always thinking, you're always experiencing a flow of something coming into you. And therefore, Leia is always dynamic. There's always a vibrancy, there's always a flow, because in the level of Machshava, the energy never stops. So she's always getting Ashpa, she's always experiencing something, stimuli, and therefore, it's extremely exhausting. But even though we're saying it's machshava, it's completely higher than the middas because middas are in a different realm than seichel. They're lower than seichel. So this is a completely different realm than middas. Leia is above. And that's why Yaakov couldn't recognize who she really is. Because Leia was so deep and so beyond him, he could not recognize her true qualities. Mashenkin Rachel. Rachel represents the world of speech, which actually follows the Midas. It follows the emotions. It receives from Yaakov. Therefore, look at this line. That's why Leia was hated. You know why? We hate what we don't understand. Things that are concealed and beyond our comprehension, we cannot wrap our brains around it, we have no pleasure in them. They threaten us, they drive us crazy, they make us mad, they frustrate us. And therefore, we're forced to hate them. (laughs) We're forced to hate them because they're too deep, they're too profound. We don't acknowledge their profundity, (laughs) because there would be no justification for hate. But that's the reality, the sensation that it creates in a person. (laughs) Mashenki midover hamusuk from something that you get, that you grasp, that you wrap your brain around, that you make sense of. Ah, humus aneg, This builds your identity, this confirms your identity, this enhances your identity. Ah, you got it in your bosom, you got it in your brain, your brain has it. Ah, you walk out with a smile, you feel good. And that's why Rachel is beloved. The Zehu, and so now let's understand what is he saying, a little bit in our words. I mean, this probably can be applied in, in literally hundreds of different ways, or maybe much more, infinite different ways. But I'll just say it in one, one, one application of it. When he speaks here about midos, seichel, machshava, it's also in a very abstract way. There's midos, emotions. There's dibur, words. There's machshava, which are thoughts. There's seichel, which are the ideas that produce the thoughts. This is a rung of the human personality, how our psyche functions. We speak, but you don't speak in a vacuum. Speech is preceded by the energy that fuels, what fuels your words, what fuels your words are emotions. What fuels your emotions are ideas. The transition of ideas to you comes through thoughts. Those thoughts are articulated in words and in letters. So that's the rung that you have. So you have Seichel, Leia, Machshava, you have Midois, Yaakov, you have Rochel, which is Dibuf. If you understand the context of what he's saying, though, he's actually, and here the words of the Torah are very helpful, Almedes Kasya and Almedes Galya. Almedes Kasya means something that's concealed. What does it mean it's concealed? Not that it's not deep. It's much deeper, and that's why it's concealed. In other words, I have no way of making sense of it. So what is the difference between Leia and Rachel? Here, Leia and Rachel represents two elements of your own self, your own psyche. Leia, Rachel, is the part of yourself that you could make sense of. It's the part of yourself 
that you can wrap your brain around. It's the part of yourself that somehow you can structure, you can talk about it. It's articulated. It's Ahmadizgalia. It can be revealed. It has a place where it's settling. It's settled. You can classify it. You can put it in a box. This is who I am. Is there a part of yourself that you actually make sense of? We try to do this all day. Make sense of ourselves. Make sense of our spouses. Make sense of our lives. Make sense of our children. Make sense of God. Make sense of existence. We all try to do it in one way or another. If you're having a good day and you make money, it just makes, more sense. makes sense. Exactly. You make sense out of your life, right? I go to work. I come home with a nice paycheck. Even a nicer one. Even a nicer one. My life somehow makes sense. That's on a very simple level. But on any level... Deep, more deep, more external, more spiritual, more physical, we try to make sense, first of ourselves, the people around us. And we love that. The more you can make sense of it, the more you're in control of it. It's predictable. It has a category. It goes in somewhere. There's filing cabinets. Your life could be put into places. It makes sense. We love that which we understand. What people understand, they love, they respect, they cherish, because it works. It works for them. We hate things that we don't understand. Why? They shock us. They frustrate us. They force us to... They rattle, they rattle our comfort zones. Who wants to rattle their comfort zone? You want to make sense. Suddenly it doesn't fit in. It doesn't fit in with your parents. What do you do? Let's expand. Ah, oh, but that's that takes a lot of humility. <laughs> that takes the easier thing to do is shut down. As I'm a sugar <laughs> he's a mashugana. Another way we do it is apicursus. This is apicursus. How do you do it to yourself? You 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 you, you, you crush it. You deny it. You repress it. You delegitimize it. You curse yourself for it. <laughs> okay. Well, Leia and Rachelir are symbolic, obviously. They manif- these ideas manifested in the people, but the ideas are represent every person. There's Leia, obviously, that's this paradigm here. Okay, so one second. So Leia represents the parts of the self that I cannot make sense of. I don't have my finger on it. I can't wrap my brain around it. It has my brain wrapped in it. I don't have my brain wrapped around it. It has me wrapped in it. It's the part of me that doesn't make sense. Now, let's apply this to machshav. When you talk about machshav, it is conscious thoughts that are already like dibur. Right? When you're reading a speech, you're also thinking. When you're reading a paper, words, you're also thinking. That's already machshav of the world of dibur. That's articulated machshav. And then there's, here we're talking about machshava that's even higher than midas. What would be machshava that's higher than midas? Seichel that's higher than midas. Here we're talking about emotions is my articulated self. Who am I? This is who I am. It's my articulated self. Seichel and machshava here is talking about a higher self that gives birth to my midas, but it's the mother. And the mother means it's the origin, it's the source. It's not only... Seichel means, okay, uh, this table is brown and I like the color brown, I'll buy it for my house. Seichel means all levels of awareness that give birth to all of your emotions. How much do you know of that? All levels of your awareness could be conscious, could be subconscious, 
could be a little conscious, could be super conscious, could be sub-subconscious, and could be sub-sub-subconscious and more. I don't know if I'm making up terms or not, but uh, the concept you agree. It's like how many layers, how many basements do you have, you know? You have one basement, and you have a cave, and in the cave you have another cave, right? We're discussing the, the, the lack of the, um, the emotional uh, aspect versus the intellectual. When a person can intellectually say, I don't understand this, okay, it's, it's out of my realm of uh, intellectual base, but emotionally I can't expand into that world it's too threatening to me. It seems like it's a division. Well, emotions are very much how I relate to the world. Yeah. Emotions are how I relate to the world. They're always fueled by an awareness. So but a person is not intimidated by an intellectual lack. Yeah. Huh? A person doesn't have to be intimidated by intellectual lack. I don't understand that. It's above my pay grade. But emotionally, I don't understand how you're responding to me. Like it makes me discomfort. Yeah, exactly. Backing off. Exactly. Exactly. So once you're aware of it, it's almost like different. It's, not it's already closer to the world of Dibur. It's closer to the world of Dibur. It's Alma de Esgalia. So Alma de Esgalia and Alma de Esgalia exist on many different levels, right? What's revealed and what's concealed. But the concept is always the same concept. That which lends itself to be articulated. In other words, you can define it. Why? Because it's restricted. It's filtered. It's boxed in. So I can articulate it. I can define it. I can say it's this and not this. And that which is far more nebulous, far more elusive, far more abstract, far more intangible, far more mufshat, and therefore it remains concealed. Not because it's less intense, because it's far, it's far more intense. And therefore it has to remain concealed, because it shuns to be articulated in a particular way. It defies being restricted, it defies being limited, it can't be. Which is why our brain filters so much of our internal core and doesn't allow us to experience it, not because it's not there, because it's so there and it's so powerful and it's so deep and it's so infinite, it can become overwhelming. So it remains concealed and it has to remain concealed. And when a person is exposed to that concealment, it's exhausting. It's what? extremely exhausting. That is the p'china of Leia. It never stopped. Like you, like you said yesterday, some people say, I just can't stop thinking. So sometimes it translates, unfortunately, into a very serious uh, you know, mental challenge. But again, we're talking here about the root of the idea, even in spiritual terms. And that is the concept that a person who is deeply, deeply in touch with a source, with a flow that never ceases, and is it's extremely, extremely intense, it does not relax. Even in the, in the sleep, you can't relax from it. You're dreaming about it too. That causes internal exhaustion because you're privy to so much more. You see more, you perceive more, you're sensitive to more, you're receiving much more, and it's like the, it's Niagara Falls. <laughs> you know, there's the flow of the sink, there's a nice waterfall uh, in the lake, and then there's Niagara Falls, it's a whole different level. But, but it's not static. What I mean is, one, it's true that when you, you don't sense something, and you, don't get, you can't wrap your head around it, it's very frustrating, so it's very weakening, wasting, whatever, but... One of the great joys, conversely, is when you take something that you can't wrap your head around and then you grow into it. I mean, in marriage, when a spouse is begin to get each other, the, the obvious Cassie part, that's a great joy. I'm not a therapist, but like Moshe, but it seems to me when someone goes through therapy and a part of themselves they never push understood, the therapist makes them understand, that is, there's no greater nachas ruach than that. Just the epiphany. Guys, an epiphany. Right. That's the process. Originally, I hate it. <laughs> If I stick with it, I'll learn to love it. Why? Because I will understand it? Yes. Right. You have 
expected. Gali is Cassio will become his Galia to you. Expand your face. Be something that you're aware of, but he's still, he's still not. He's still don't grasp. Of course, there's a trickle. There's there's a light. There's a glimmer. There's a glimmer. Now, so in every person, do you have Leia and you have Rachel? In simple words, Rachel is the part of yourself that you can make sense of, and you do make sense of. Leia is the part of yourself that you can't make sense of. It's very hidden. It doesn't allow itself to be articulated because it's beyond it. And uh, it's, it's really a very deep place in the person, which comes from a much deeper space in him. And because it comes from such a deeper space in him, therefore, it has those qualities of iskasya. It has those qualities of machshava. It has to do with the depth, deepest layers of the human psyche and the human existence that are very, very profound. And I can't, I can't understand it. It's too heavy. It's too much. That's my layer. I usually don't know Leia. I don't have a relationship with Leia. And if I start having a relationship with Leia, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not go there. <laughs> Please, let's not go there. Rachel, I love spending time with Rachel. I'm good. I have her. I have Rachel. She has me. Whatever. It works. It's a hand in the glove. Leia doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. So what happens? There's a lot of resistance. That's the word. Kisnua Leia means people resist Leia. We don't like things that we cannot fit into our paradigms, into our comfort zones. They make us annoyed. And what do I do then? What do I do? The easiest thing to do is to say, I hate you. We're not the same type. (laughs) Why? Maybe we are really the same type. Maybe you're triggering in me things that I don't want to deal with. And therefore, if I cut you out of my life, I'll have much more peace. What does it mean, cut you out? It can mean physically, it can mean emotionally I'll cut you out. It means I'm threatened by you. It means I just can't be with you in the same Dalaramas. Or it just means I have to play a game with you. But it's all different forms of rejection. And it applies even in very simple ways. Sometimes, I've told you many times, there's different types of shirim. Sometimes you'll hear a shir. Most Jews, when they hear a shir, they have one objective. To make it fit into what they know already. That's the objective of most shiurim. They want to make it fit in, right? That's why most responses that I will get over the years after shir is, it reminds me of a vart I heard last week. Why does it have to remind you of a vart I heard last week? Because that's what we do. I have a filing cabinet of who God is, what Judaism is, what religion is, what it's supposed to look like. You added a new vart, okay, it goes into this filing cabinet. Some cipher, fine. Briskira, fine. Chazanish, fine. Neide Behuda, fine. A story, a vart, a joke, but it fits into the box. Midah, connected Midah, there's one big paradigm in Judah. Okay, there's another Midah, connected Midah. And organized people, they build their portfolios of religion that way. What if somebody actually says something completely new? So either you fall asleep, which is resistance, right? Or you start texting. Or or you put them in (laughs) cherem. Or you put them in cherem. You're threatened. So I didn't say, I'm a sugar nut, so then you don't have to deal with it. Meshugayim, I don't have to deal with. Because they're crazy. Crazy people are crazy people. Or I say, he's not crazy, he's dangerous. He's, he's going to destroy all of our kids. The same thing. It's resistance. I cannot deal with it because it was too new. So what do I do with it? 
Or maybe I could do something else, but that takes a lot, a lot of humility, right? A lot, a lot of humility to do something else. So the natural process is that slayer we hate. Expand or kill? What's the other way? I didn't want to say the other way because you have to figure it out. <laughs> but there's something else. Sense. To, to sit with your pain, to understand why you're resisting it. What is it that you're resisting? Because that's where the truth is. Don't make sense. You don't have to manipulate it. You don't have to manipulate. You have to sit with it. Let it make sense of you. You don't have to make sense of it. That's the big difference. Let it make sense of you. You don't have to make sense of it. You don't have to come with a pen and paper and classify it. Leia defies classification. It's very exhausting to be in that mode. That's why we don't do it. We don't like it. Now go to the real Leia and Rachel, okay? In terms of a spouse. In terms of a spouse, it's quite obvious. Okay? There is the Rachel and there's the Leia. There's the part of your wife or your husband. I know there's some notions that Connie is listening. There's the part of your wife or the part of your husband that you make sense of, right? Or you, tr- let me put it that way, you try to make sense of it. You try. This is who she is, this is this, this is that, right? And in fact, hopefully there was an attraction, which is the reason, right? The Gemara says, It doesn't only go on strangers, it also goes on your wife. There's a mitzvah of at least like every Jew. And the Gemara says, mitzvah to love her as much as you love yourself, to respect her more than you respect yourself. So there's the element of my spouse that you call Rachel. What's Rachel? You fast Kayar, but you fast Mara. Rachel is beautiful. Who calls her beautiful? Me. I call her beautiful. Why? Because she's beautiful to me. <laughs> This works. This is why you wanted this wife. This is why you wanted this husband. You love the humor. You love the spunk. You love the wisdom. You love the depth. You love the honesty. You love the candidness. You love the balabatishkeit. You love the sharpness. You love the emotional sensitivity, whatever. I don't know what all you guys were thinking about, but whatever it was, hopefully all of the above. All of the above. I hope your wife is listening. Huh? <laughs> That's what you want. That's your fast. Rashi says, Toyer Mara. Again, Toyer is physique, symmetry. And Mara is countenance. It's two separate things. Another Maimon Vayetzi. What's Toyer? What's Mara? Toyer is balance. Symmetry is balance. You know, symmetry, an artist. And then this Mara is not balance. Mara is the depth of wisdom that shines through the face. That is Toyer Mara. But Rachel is beautiful. Why is it beautiful? You could say, ah. This is gorgeous. This is a piece of art. Why do I call it a piece of art? Because I appreciate it. You relate to it. I relate to it. It's relatable. It fits into my paradigms. What a good spouse is. What a meaningful relationship is. What a fulfilling marriage is. What a romantic, loving, joyous life together is. It doesn't mean there's no struggles. There's no challenges. People are people. Their moods change. Dispositions change. People go through struggles. But Rachel is something I could, so to speak, put in my box. That's Rachel. Why not? Finite, yes. Dibur, finite, always finite. That's the word. Mem, ps, mem psucha. Leia is the part of your spouse that makes you exhausted. Why? Same of course it's the same person. That's the point. It's always the same person. 
It's not even your spouse. It's yourself. It's also your spouse. It's also your children. It's your friend. It's everything. Everything in life is Leia and Rachel. Leia and Rachel. It's also Leia and Rachel. It's also two people. But like I told you, every character in Torah is, is a character in the self. It's the part of your spouse that makes you exhausted. And when somebody asks you, what do you think of this aspect of your wife? You say, I hate it. Of course you hate it. It drives you crazy. drives you mad. frustrates you. It annoys you. shakes you up. It's like, I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. And some people have this, and sometimes it's overwhelming. I hate this. Oh, I say, what is it? What is it? I can't make sense. I can't integrate it into me. It, it just it brings up stuff. And again, this is on many different levels. This is not one word. This is many, many different levels. But why is it? I'm, being, I'm observing something that I never made peace with in myself. And because I never made peace within myself, I cannot make peace with that in you. So therefore, Leia is exhausted, and Leia causes me to get exhausted for the same reason. Because it's challenging me to connect to something. I'm looking at something that does not fit into my comfort zone. And it's rattling me. It's shaking me up. So what do we do? We say, get out of my life. Again, we cut off. We cut ourselves off. How? Some people physically get caught. They separate. Some people emotionally. It may not be physically, emotionally. I create a new life for myself without you. Because when I look at you, I get headaches. I can't deal with it. So I go to places that don't give me headaches. I'm not going to sit with it. It's too difficult. Or I turn you into a mashugana. It's always the easiest thing, right? There's a t-shirt I'm very easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. That works. If I turn you into a mashugana, it's always wonderful. She's crazy. He's crazy. They're insane. I'm the normal one. You want a normal person to be with a crazy person. doesn't work. So therefore, Rachel, I love. Leia, instinctively, instinctively, we have deep resistance to. Now comes probably the line that uh, I still look at it, and it's astounding, if you understand a little bit of the history of philosophy and psychology and psychoanalysis and therapy and studies of self-awareness and amagotherapy and marriage therapy and this, that this was actually said before the entire discipline was even considered in a, in a primordial soup. Okay? <laughs> but now look at the next line in this mime. <laughs> and that's why Yaakov had to marry Leah, but only unconsciously. It could not happen in a way that he would agree with it. It had to be because Leia represents something that is beyond his das. So if you would consult Yaakov, he would say, never. It's beyond my das. This is not me. I'm sorry. This is not my shidduch. So we marry Leia, but we cannot be asked. Because if we're asked, we'll right away reject it. We don't like Leia. It's not me. I need somebody who's going to be my soulmate, not your soulmate and not God's soulmate. <laughs> I need my soulmate. For this, I have to know me. But what about the part of me that I don't know? Ah, I can't marry that person. But there is a part of you that you don't know. So what Dr. Rebbe is saying is, you don't marry one person. You marry two people. You always marry two people. Your conscious self marries your conscious wife or husband. 
your sub, your superconscious self also marries, and that marries your superconscious spouse. So Yaakov has to get married to Leah. But it's Shaloi Midaita. If you would come to Yaakov and say, look, I was a Shiddach, Leah, what are you meet? Shmuelis, Yaakov was like, another Shiddach. Find you another Shiddach. Of course, superconscious. Always happens superconscious. So the, the marriage Yaakov and Leah is not just a story in a love and he fooled them and deceived them. It's, it's a conceptual idea. We enter into a marriage with Leah, but always beyond our Das. Because Leah represents that which is beyond my Das. So my Das can't feel comfortable. My Das won't initiate the relationship. I'm not going into this relationship. What do do with me? It defies me. It challenges me. It's, it frustrates me. It rattles me. It, it's annoying for me. It always happens, Shalomi Das. So on a level of yourself where you can't make sense of yourself, you're in a relationship with the aspect of your spouse that you also can't make sense of because it's beyond the conscious self. In, in, in terms of Kedusha, of Eretz Yisrael, it's the divine energy that doesn't lend itself to be articulated, and now you are in the relationship. But here is the key. Yaakov wants to marry Rachel. On the way to marry Rachel, you always marry Leah first. Because you cannot have a relationship with Rachel if you don't first have a relationship with your Leah. Because if you don't have a relationship first with your Leah, your relationship with Rachel is based on cutting off who you really are. So your relationship with Rachel is really superficial. So the only way you can have a real relationship with Rachel is if you make peace with Leah in yourself and in your spouse. So that's why you have Tikkun Leia Tikkun Rachel every night. And Tikkun Chatzoy is just Tikkun Leia Tikkun Rachel. Two days of Rosh Hashanah, yeah? So this is by definition every marriage. It's not unique. Yes. So in other words, what we learn from this Maimer that the marriage of Yaakov to Leia and Rachel is a story about almost every marriage. It's every marriage. To put it in very simple terms, whenever anybody is getting married, they always think they're marrying Rachel. Hopefully... Hopefully, I should say. I know not always, unfortunately. If somebody's forcing you into a marriage, it's a disaster, and you shouldn't allow that to happen to you or to your children. I don't care which community you live in. There's no right to force people into marriage. It's sheer cruelty. I'm not talking about helping people work through their fears and challenges. I'm talking about a person knows that I don't want this. And to force them, I don't understand the logic of it. And to, to blame it on Judaism is a separate disaster. Okay, that's just the truth I had to say. But unfiltered, huh? What you're saying is even if it's not prearranged marriage, it's also the same. Of course. That's exactly my point. If it's a prearranged marriage, then God runs the show. Then I don't know what to say. But I'm talking about, so to speak, a conventional marriage, which is at least uh, not completely prearranged. There's some level of familiarity, or maybe even a deep level of familiarity. You always think you're marrying Rachel. That's why you're marrying her. Hopefully, you fast are you fast married. This is great. It's going to be beautiful. You don't get married to get divorced. I mean, it's not Hollywood. Mesech Gitin is not supposed to come before Mesech Kedushin, only when you're learning Gemara. <laughs> right? You don't get married to get divorced six hours later, before the end of the wedding. They already have a nuptial, 28 million for her, 28 million for him. So I'm getting married to Rachel because she's your fast or your fast married. So we're always going to marry Rachel. And when you are planning to get married, you're planning to marry Rachel. But then there comes the next scene of the Pasuk. 
The sun shines, and you take a look, and you're like, whoa, I ended up with Leia. But that, I couldn't have initiated. I couldn't have processed. I couldn't have created it. I would never create it because the I would never be in that relationship. It was created for me, by me, but not by my conscious me. There's another element of Yaakov that took him to Leia, and Leia took him to Yaakov. Now, there's another mime of the Balatan Yosantari where he describes why Lovin is the one who did this. It's not for now, but why Lovin? What Lovin represents? Lovin comes from the word white. White is the color that includes all colors, endless possibilities. Lovin is the ultimate crook, which spiritually means Lovin represents something that's not fixed in a particular image. A crook represents somebody, I said this today, but tomorrow I change my mind. So in this world, it's a horrible trait. Everything has a shirish in godliness. It means the level of kedusha that's not fixed. It's not stuck. And therefore, hechlif esmaskurti aseres moinim. There's no one color. It's not green or blue or yellow. White is the source. Ultimately, it includes, it contains all colors. So therefore, love one makes the switch. Because love one challenges the person not to get stuck in anything. Okay, that's again Alpiruchnius in a different Maimer, also in Torah So what happens here is when I get married, I'm always planning to marry Rachel, and that's how it should be. And we make up in seven years, and it's great, or seven months, or seven weeks, whatever or whatever it is. But you of When you get married, maybe the next morning, maybe the next year, maybe in ten years, maybe in seventeen years, whatever it is, Behinehileya. And what happens when you see Leia? It's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I hate Leia. I can't deal with Leia. Get it out of my life. You're not for me. Who, who ever heard of this? I never knew this. I never saw this. But the truth is, there's another path. And the path is that you have to open yourself up to the part of you that you never made sense of. And therefore, open yourself up to the part of her that you never made sense of. And then you can actually marry Rachel. <laughs> With, there's a path to Rachel always leads through Leia. Because if not, my relationship with Rachel is based on cutting off who I am. So I can't even love Rachel with my full being. Because my full being is not in the relationship. Because my full being remains detached from the relationship. Because a lot of my relationship with Rachel is still based on my insecurity. So therefore, it's through Leia, which is exhausting, that I can ultimately reach Rachel. And as you, we all know in the end of the story, ultimately, in the physical story, Rachel passes on, and Yaakov remains married to one person, to Leah. And Yaakov is buried, not with Rachel, but with Leah, which is interesting, because Rachel was his dream. But ultimately, Rachel is part of Leah. She's really part of Leah. Alma Galia comes from Alma Desgalia. It's one world. So the two sisters really merge, so to speak, on some level into one. And Leia is the mother of the six Shvatim. Now, according to this, I think we have a whole new depth in this Minhag Yisrael of the Badekinesh. I'm going to bring up some very sweet memories. Remember your Badekinesh? The Badekin, the Chassan veils the bride. Why does the Chassan veil the bride? What's the reason? The time I'm in Hagen, there's different reasons for it. One is the, the Shechina is on her face, but it's an interesting thing that she's veiled during the Chuppah. And in many communities, when he does the Kiddushin, 
He doesn't see her. She doesn't see him. So you're putting your ring on her finger by many communities where she remains veiled throughout. He says, arguably the most important moment of the marriage. They're getting married. It's like the whole, this, everything is going to be based on this moment. Halachically too, this is the halachic kedushin. You need a get. When all the halachas, it's a serious moment. It's the moment. And at that moment, he doesn't see her. She doesn't see him. For all he knows, it could be Hillary. Okay. <laughs> it's just a joke. But for all he knows, it could be, I don't know, the Shvigya. He doesn't see her. The rational wisdom would say, you're getting married, take off the badeke. Exactly. You don't cover up the merchandise. She goes around seven times examining the merchandise, and he doesn't see anything. What's pshat? So it says in Svarim, because Leah was covered. <laughs> That's why Yaakov didn't see. Why didn't Yaakov see who he's marrying? It was a whole Mishnah. Why didn't he look? She was veiled. Lovin was very frum, and it was a real thick veil, you know, it was 10 Tvachim probably, or maybe 10 Amas, Sheikh Hazoinish, Sheikh Hazoinish. So you couldn't even get a glimpse of a glimpse of a glimpse. And, uh, and Yaakov, uh, Yaakov was deceived. Now we have, so my question is, why do we want to perpetuate what Lovin did? <laughs> like, Love him, did it. He wanted to fool Yaakov. We don't want to fool anybody. The Emma says you have to do the Badekanish. Because basically what the Badekanish you're telling your Kala is that I know that I'm marrying two people. I am marrying the part of you that I see, but I'm also marrying the part of you that I don't see. And I know that when I'm entering into the relationship, I'm entering into a relationship with somebody that part of them I don't see. Not because I don't want to see it, but because I can't see it at this moment. Not because I'm dumb and naive, but because that's life. There is a journey into deeper and deeper layers of self. And if you're not ready to marry Leah, you're not ready to marry Rachel. You're not ready to marry. If you're not ready to marry Leah, then you're not really ready for a relationship because part of you will remain outside of the relationship and part of the other person will remain outside of the relationship because the moment you will discover your layer, her layer, it's like, whoa, I hate you. So therefore, the badekanish is essential to that process. So therefore, Yaakov's story is really our story. So we marry Leah. We always marry Leah, but it happens on a level shaloy midas. And the rest of your life, you work that out. You unravel you unravel that mystery where each day Almadis Kasya becomes more Almadis Galia, and then there's another layer of Almadis Kasya. Initially, Leia causes exhaustion. That's Leia. Initially, Leia causes exhaustion. Rachel, we said, it's brought in Kabbalah. The Ramemi Fanu writes, Ramemi Fanu, Rabbi Menachem Azariah Fanu, who was one of the big Kabbalah in Italy. He says, Rachel is the Gematria. Vayihi er, 238, exact opposite. Rachel is er, dibur, light, revelation. Rachel walks into the room and everybody says, ah, vayihi er, the light has come. Rachel is about light. Light is about seeing. I could see. I see what I get, just like when you speak. I speak, I hear you. I, can't, I don't guess your thoughts. I don't know your inner thoughts. Rachel is the part of self that's er, you can shine a light on it. In other words, it could be seen, it could be articulated, it could be defined. That's Rachel. Rachel is the you, Rachel is the sheep. Now, if that's the case, so it's a whole different Mahalach Rachel. They were two different types of people too. You can't compare who Rachel was to Leah was. They were two completely different personalities. Two very different types of people. 
Ene Leia Rakos. The eyes of Leia were very tender. They were very soft. You looked into Leia's eyes. You saw there's a lot there. You could dismiss it if you were superficial. But his argument here is that Leia was hated not because she was a bad lady or because she was just, you know, never made it. Leia was hated because she was too deep for most people. And when we encounter very deep people, we just don't like them. (laughs) Why? It challenges mediocrity. Mediocre people don't like big, deep people. They challenges us, and therefore we do different things to them. The first thing we do is we cut them out of our life emotionally. And that was the story of Leia. You know, there's an expression, somebody once said, we don't love other people, we love our version of them. That's the key. We don't love other people, we love our version of them. I have my version of you, and it fits with me, and that's what I love. The question is, do I love you, or do I love my version of you? Do I love my child, or do I love my version of my child? It looks like you love your child, but maybe you only love your version of your child. And as long as he suits the version, perfect. You know, he goes on that path, whatever that is, I love. The moment you're not my version, it's like, whoa, I can't make sense of it. There's no nachas here. What is the community? It's not predictable anymore. Once it's not predictable, it's very, very difficult to sit with it. Humility helps, sense of humor helps, yeah. humor helps, some other things help too. Alcohol, Alcohol helps. <laughs> um, <laughs> it helps, I don't know if it's a solution. <laughs> One would speculate that Paravodas Hashem works by the same dialectical movement of converting all of this calcium to all of this And just like Rachel Rulein, you have to strike up to start with Veil, maybe we have to start with Kofi and Harki Gigius. We never would have agreed, or Yaakov never would have agreed. Beautiful. And then as you move forward, you, you convert. Amadis, Kashi, Tamadis, Galia. You're saying Kofalem, Harki Gigius would be like Leia. There's a part of the relationship that I can't ask you. The next year here will be Monday. Okay, Monday morning, not tomorrow, and not Shabbos. My brother is here for Shabbos, yes. Why does Leah come first? Why does Leah come first? Leah, by definition, comes first, because that's the real relationship. That's where the work is. Huh? Leia is your real, your real self, your deeper self. It comes first, number one. Number two, it's a result of this. To be connected to Rachel, I really have to be connected to Leia because if not, I'm not connected to Rachel with my full self. And I'm not connecting to her with her full self. I'm just connecting with her in order to make myself comfortable. I'm not really connecting to her with my full, undiluted self. I'm just connecting with her because that makes sense. It works. To be able to connect with Rachel in a deep, in a real way, I need to connect with Leia in a deep way. And ultimately, Leia will have to be filtered through Rachel. That's what the Beis Hamikdash looked like. Leia works with Rachel. That's the unity of the two sisters. The Shechina filters Leia so I can articulate Leia. And then there's a time of Chorben where you have to deal with Leia itself. In other words, we would call that somebody who has a breakdown. The Chorben is a break emotionally. Beis Hamikdash is a cohesive self. The Chorben is the breakdown of, of the of personality. Your Beis Hamikdash gets destroyed, right? Your Shechina goes into Galus. 
and all you have is these, this chaos in your life. And now you have no choice to go to Rachel because Rachel broke down. Now you have to go to Leah. And that's, that's the Arizal. The Arizal tapped in to the infinite chaos of the universe that was only available in Gullus. But when he tapped into that, he can heal the world because he went back to the original Leah. You get it? So the Arizal was forced, the Arizal, the Balsham they were forced to tap into a chaos because integration was not available anymore. So they had to go and make real peace with Leah. They had to be able to open up the world to the energy of Leah and heal it. That was probably their greatest depth, their greatest greatness, because, you know, you, you run away from this stuff. It's like nuclear energy. There's a lot in this little mime. There's a lot here. It's not so short as it seems. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.